Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. You're listening to A Little Bit Dusty. All things country, rural, and outback Australia. Grab a hot or cold one and enjoy the conversation ahead. Yes, here we are. We're at episode six of A Little Bit Dusty. We're talking all things water with Ron Pike. This chat was uh, so large that we had to do it in two parts. So this is part two. Uh, I hope you guys enjoy. I got a lot out of having a chat with this man. He's extremely knowledgeable about all things water and understands the impact of water mismanagement and this Murray-Darling Basin plan that was put into place nearly 15 years ago and the detrimental impact it's had on communities, farmers and rural Australia and also the rest of the country as well. If you haven't already, make sure you listen to episode 5 so you understand the detail we go into about all things water uh, with the mismanagement, uh, foreign purchases and all that sort of thing and how it's impacted some of these communities. It impacts them so greatly that I will put out a bit of a trigger warning as I did with the previous episode. We do talk about things like substance abuse, domestic violence and suicide. So if you do feel like you need to chat to someone after listening to this podcast, you can call CWS Helpline on 1300 096 273. The Step Together Hotline on 1800 875 204. There's Lifeline on 13 11 14. Kids Helpline, 1-800-551-800. Standby, the support for after suicide, 0438 648 268. And the Suicide Callback Service, one 659 467 If you have listened to Episode 5 and episodes previous, make sure you leave a comment and a review because I do feel that this two-part chat with Ron Pike has been the most important conversation I've had with anyone in my lifetime because this issue I've followed very closely over the last couple of years as well as other members of parliament who want to make sure that we're doing the right thing with making sure that we have plenty of water and not flushing it out to sea and some of these other ridiculous things that are happening across the country at the moment. Again, this whole chat and this whole reason of having this conversation with Ron Pike was from my expression of interest, curiosity and relatable knowledge from some of the chats I've had with locals with New South Wales in areas which the Murray-Darling Basin flows through. So this is part two of my chat with Ron Pike. Enjoy. <clears throat> well, I mean, you're just stating just that it's, it's just an absolute robbery, and then they still have to pay. And 
to try and fight these kind of issues, you have to have money to go to the courts and, and defend your defend your case too. But if people weren't spending too much money uh, on the water itself that they can't afford or that they're not getting, they're not going to have the money to fight them in court. So this goes back to Section 100 of the Australian Constitution, which is one of the most important points of this whole issue. The Commonwealth shall not, by any law or regulation or trade or commerce, abridge the right of a state or of the residents therein to the reasonable use of waters of rivers for conservation of irrigation. And this is exactly what's happening. And people, it's, it's been happening for just way too long in my books, and I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure the rest of Australia agrees. But it's just having such an absolute, it's just having just an absolutely crazy impact. I've been to some of these places in New South Wales where the basin flows through, and all the conversations we're talking about uh, were foreign entities owning water, the towns having lack of water. But another one that people were kept uh, saying, or they're putting a little phrase to, was the cotton kings. Can you tell us a little bit about? the cotton industry and how that's monopolized in such a large, I suppose, uh, you know, inhumane way and what that's having an effect, how that's having an effect on Australian water as well. Farmers, irrigators, um, they buy water as an input to a business. What they use that water on is irrelevant to uh, the person selling it or to the wider community. Uh, if it's more profitable to buy a megalitre water and put it onto uh, tobacco or marijuana or cotton or rice or corn or whatever it is, that is a decision that can only be made by the person buying the water, the same as if they're buying fertiliser or any other thing. Um, now, the cotton industry is not uh, the bad person it's painted out to be in this discussion right. for the simple reason of what I just said. Um, they, those people that buy water and uh, grow cotton with it could easily grow rice or could grow corn if it was more profitable. And um, the growth of the cotton industry in recent years is the simple fact that there has been a very, very buoyant world market for cotton. And the Australian cotton growers are now recognised as the most efficient in the world. And uh, we are a very significant producer of cotton. But uh, please remember all those people that were saying that the cotton growers were responsible for no water in the Lower Darling. That was always a falsehood. Um, when the bottom end of the Murray, bottom end of the Darling ran dry, the cotton growers up at uh, Namoy and Moree had no water. And um, the thing ran dry because the Murray-Darling Basin Authority drained the Menindee Lakes. That's why it ran dry. And uh, the cotton industry was not at fault. And um, the cotton industry, uh, from where I sit, uh, is to be applauded. Um, they've done an excellent job. Oh, there you go. Again, so uh, that was just from some of the conversations I had with some of the locals in some of these areas. But um, so it sounds like they're, I suppose, maybe shifting blame with a bit of a, possibly a possibly a lack of knowledge of uh, the people in the Basin Authority and the Basin Plan as well. Um, when did when did David Littleproud come into play and what effect has he had on this whole situation? Well, David was uh, Minister for Water uh, for a short time and I had um, both written and verbal discussions with him. And I think I can say I was proudly responsible for him getting the stack. Um, he had no idea what he was talking about. 
um, he was obviously taking advice from some advisors in his um, office or department. And um, the letters I got in response to what I wrote to him were just um, naive, um, almost childish. And um, I went out and very actively sought to have him removed as water minister, and he was. Yeah, right. But again, his face is still present in the in the media when some of these issues are you know still being addressed, and photos of him and Barnaby all over the place. And you know, the wider the hat, the less of the understanding of the bush. It just seems like some of these people just come into power and to play without yeah a real kind of um, understanding of what's actually happening. I just want to. Um, touch on some of the statistics as well in some of the rural areas when they'd have a lack of water and uh, um, you know have to turn to bore water as well. Uh, similar to what Armadale has had to recently. Uh, in Armadale and other places around, I'm sure, as well, when the town runs dry and results to bore water, alcohol and drug abuse skyrockets as well as domestic violence. And when town water gets restored back into the community, everything stabilises and, every and they go back to a happier society. So, again... It really shows just how much of an impact this lack of water has in these rural communities. Yes, look, water is one of the most basic needs of mankind. We need water and food and uh, shelter. And um, 100%. and as I've said over and over again, and I'll repeat it here, there is no reason for anyone in Australia and any community in Australia to be short of water, even in a big, long drought, because the amount of water we use for stock and domestic and municipalities is very, very little. We only need one megalitre of water a year for every nine people. Now, uh, you don't have to be, you know, Einstein to do the sums there. The amount of water we need for municipalities and soccer and domestic is, is just a tiny little drop of what we've got, even in a drought. So, um, mm. yes, and, and bore water um, is very much an untapped source of water in Australia, which we probably won't go into now, but um, the amount of water we have uh, in bores, and I'm talking about potable, drinkable water, not artesian water that is quite saline, um, is huge. Yep. The Western Murrumbidgee Aquifer, uh, which I developed two high-capacity bores on some years ago, that aquifer holds 2,000 Burrinjuk dams full. That is huge. And it's not been... Um, oh, it's used a little bit, but um, they've tapped it at uh, 270,000 megalitres a year, which is next to nothing. Um, we could be using that water. Right. We could have a new food bowl in the Western Riverina, um, but the environmentalists who control the government these days will not let that happen. It's just bizarre. Mm. As you state in your new song of the Darling article in your Google Quadrant, the hard part will be getting the politicians to overturn several decades of bad water policy, a longed-for event that would require politicians and governments to recognise the present situation that is caused by their bad management in fostering overlapping bureaucratic re regulation. What can kind of some of the Australian public do to help some of these areas affected through a lack of water? Is there any is there any way we can is there any way we can contribute? Look, uh, I suppose I should say <laughs> I could have written that myself. <laughs> it's it's, <laughs> it's the summary exactly of what's wrong. Yeah. Um, it's um, 
it just gets back to the same thing. We are not short of water. We've got vast quantities of water, but we've got the whole thing tied up in um, environmental bureaucracies. And um, until they are thrown out of it and we restore water to what was um, stipulated in Magna Carta and what is in Section 100 of the Australian Constitution, water should be available to the people at never more than the cost of the distribution. 100%. Uh, it's not a commodity that we want to make scarce. What has the government done? It's made water scarce. The same as it's made uh, electricity scarce. The end result of that is it's expensive. Now, water in Australia should never, ever be expensive and it should be openly available to everyone who wants to use it. Um, why do we run 290 million megalitres into the sea when the, we're only using 6%? It's just ridiculous. There's another point I want to make because most people get this wrong. Go for it. People then come out and say to me, oh, but our water's not where we want it. Well, I've got news for them. The runoff of Australia's water, because we've only got one big uh, watershed, which is the Great Tide, runs into the sea between Adelaide and Cairns. Guess what? That's where all the people live. The water's exactly where we want it. Now, what runs off to the west, which is about 10 million megalitres a year, that water's the Murray-Darling Basin. 10 million megalitres a year is sufficient to double the irrigation uh, output from the Murray-Darling Basin and still have plenty of water left over. What have we done? We've given that water to an environmental bureaucracy and they're flushing it into the sea. Um, the asinine stupidity of what we have done, I, I will never ever forgive John Howard, uh, Malcolm Turnbull and Penny Wong um, and Berkey. Berkey was the guy that brought the Water Act into the, or put it through Parliament in the end. Right. All of those people should be pilloried in the town square for stupidity. I couldn't agree more. Um, as, you've, as you've stated, uh, you haven't even acknowledged a, a, a letter to say that your letter to Scott Morrison was received. Um, I'm, I'm just wondering how wondering how this topic or even this conversation could reach the Prime Minister and just I just don't know why he hasn't taken action, but I suppose it goes back to the point we were making earlier that they don't want to accept the humility for the detrimental impact that's, that it's caused. Look, politicians are, you know, precious little petals. The last thing they ever want to do is admit they got something wrong. Uh, they would much rather see the community suffer mm. than them get a bit of a black eye because they um, made a mistake. Um, and I had this discussion with John Howard, who I personally knew quite well, uh, after he left office, and he admitted to me very, very frankly that the two biggest mistakes he made in politics was... Um, making Malcolm Turnbull Minister for Water and taking over control of water. And the other one was the abolition of the Australian Wheat Board. And we're not here to talk about that today, but John Howard openly admitted that to me. They were two very big mistakes. Now, the problem is, there's been several prime ministers since John Howard, and the mistake is still there. Yeah. Um, and all that's happening is it's causing... Um, incredible personal and financial hardship to over 2 million 
people that live in the Murray-Darling Basin. And of course, that flows on then to probably another two or three million people because it's just not the production there anymore. Mm. And um, I'll give you a little example. Sure. The little town of Narandra, which is at the crossroads of the Sturt Highway and the Newell Highway, it's only a little town right on the Murrumbidgee River. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. But it used to be the centre for uh, the washed potato industry in particular. There used to be 28 semi-trailers and big Ws registered in Narendra. And those trucks, big trucks, um, predominantly carted prepackaged, ready to go on the shelf, uh, washed potatoes to supermarkets across Australia. That's gone from 28 to 11. The washed potato industry has folded up. It's folded up because of bad water policies, not because the water's not there. The water, the Murrumbidgee River still runs the way it did when I spent a lot of time as a kid fishing it. It's still the same. But um, right. the water is now not allowed to be used. Mm. And that further has an impact for, I know I see it in the supermarkets as well. It's very, very hard to, for, your, for your basic fruits and veggies to try and find that product of Australia sticker. We're losing Australian fruit and vegetables and other goods because of lack of water. And it means that we're further having to pay the price for imported foods, which... As a country this large, and we used to have some of the most nutrient-rich foods that exported to over 40 countries, it just it's just simply bizarre. It's getting further and further, it's getting sorry harder and harder to find that product of Australia tag on every single type of food, every kind of goods for fruits and vegetables. Um, 
that'd be part of the impact of poor water mismanagement, right? Yep. It's um, the good thing about it, um, Tyson, is this, and I've said this to the Minister for Waters to IC only a couple of weeks ago. It is quite easy to fix. And the fixes in that document I wrote, um, uh, a plan that suits all or whatever it is. Yeah, the plan that suits everybody. Yep, the plan that works um, for yes. It's easily fixed, but it's got to have someone with a political backbone and heart to fix it. And that person obviously uh, should be the Minister for Water, uh, Keith Pitt, who, by the way, when I wrote to him when he first got the job, um, and I offered him my services to uh, help him understand the water. Uh, it took him 22 weeks to respond. And when he responded, he didn't answer any of the issues that I raised in the original letter. Now, I've spoken to him several times since. Right. But the reason I'm telling you that is, that is symptomatic of what's wrong with this whole government. They are a law unto themselves they don't listen to anyone outside their department and they're not representing the people, they're representing the party and themselves. And until that changes, and as I said to you before, it will change in a number of electorates at the next election. And Morrison's going to wake up on the morning after the election and think, oh, Labor didn't win, but we lost. Um, mm. and it's going to come as a huge shock, but um, it's going to happen. I, I can't see it not happening now. There's too many people uh, prepared to um, change the way they vote and because they are sick and tired of having friends and relations commit suicide. They are sick and tired of having no future when the resource they need to give them a future is still there being um, squandered down to the sea. Yeah, that's a very important point as well. For someone to to lose purpose and drive to, you know, to, to continue this life and enjoying a good life because they can't get that one resource, it just has such a massive impact. So I think further and further down the line, we've seen a lot of the Australian public lose faith in the government over years because... It's all just within the little decisions they make just within the select group to profitize and not care about the communities. Uh, we're becoming more and more divided and a lot of people are now starting to see that bigger picture. So I do hope, like you said, that when this next election comes, that Scott Morrison does get a really big shock. One that goes like, all right, well, now we have to actually, you know, thicken our skin a bit and admit that we've caused this irrepar irreparable damage to rural Australia, you know, and, um, you know, as you said before, the people of the Murray-Darling Basin and others as well, that's, it affects more than 10% of our population, um, and which, you know, but it also affects, you know, the majority of our food and water tables too. It's, um, yeah, as you say in your plan that works for all, I'm not going to go over too much into it into detail. Uh, you talk about your uh, licence to irrigate. Um, water should be able to be held by entities that have land to irrigate and many other amazing points as well. I'm going to put all these in the show notes. So it just seems, you know, everything that you've stated, it just seems so clear and blatantly obvious, but the people and the powers that be and the, and the main government now just simply just don't want to listen. And it's just absolutely heartbreaking. Well, the, the day of uh, awakening is coming. I think the last 
uh, date we can have of a federal election is May next year. Now, that's only uh, 10 months away. Um, and sometime between now and then, um, the government either realises that this is a far bigger problem than COVID-19 or any other thing, and if they don't fix it, um, they're going to be out of office. And that realisation, much and all as I've spelled it out to two or three uh, members of the government in just the last couple of weeks, um, it hasn't hit home yet. Now, if they don't act on it, well, the government's gone. Um, and I want to stress, it doesn't mean that Labor's going to form the next government. Um, the people that are going to win those seats will not be Labor people, although Labor preferences will assist them to uh, ouch the sitting member. And um, they are the political realities of what's happened here. And um, But it would seem to me that from Morrison down, they don't want to recognise that. And that doesn't surprise me because Morrison's never been someone you could um, uh, speak to and, you know, uh, consult with. He, uh, he's quite sure he's got all the answers and uh, he obviously hasn't. Yeah, 100%. I couldn't agree furthermore. Um, we're drawing near to the end, but as I do with each episode, I uh, end on a bit of a lighter note. So I've seen through some of your travels and some of your activity through Facebook, before these lockdowns and COVID peak, you recently went travelling in your caravan. Where are some of the places you uh, travelled to and where are the places you enjoyed most of some of those travels? Right, now we, we sold our home last October and before we bought another one, um, it was a beach house right on the beach and it got um, too okay. much for Julie and I. So we bought a big motor home and we traveled down through Victoria. And part of the purpose of that was to make a decision as to where we wanted to settle down for the rest of our lives, because I'm, oh. I'm not young anymore. <laughs> um, <laughs> so we went through uh, Victoria, across into South Australia, went right around the coast of South Australia, across the uh, Nullarbor, and then we travelled extensively right through southwestern Western Australia, which is very much the boom area of, <coughs> excuse me, of Australia at the moment. We loved all of that. Um, we went up as far as Geraldton, and because it was summer, we decided oh, wow. to not go further north. And then we came yep. back through uh, Western New South Wales and had a look at Medindi um, Lakes and the Darling and all the things we've been talking about. And I spent yep. time with some friends um, at Kopi Hollow on Manini Lakes uh, and back home from there. And then we've sold the van and um, we moved into the new home where I am now about two months ago. And um, we absolutely love it. So we're now um, permanently domiciled in Coffs Harbour again. <laughs> so, so that's a real oh, quick nice. resume. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For anyone wanting to travel into some rural areas or the outback, uh, what kind of, what piece of advice would you uh, would would you give to anyone wanting to hit those kind of areas for the first time? You know, what to prepare for, what things to look out for. Look, there's no way you can cannot travel in Australia, and I've been right around Australia before as a young man, in uh, what I used to say in a Holden Ute. Um, even the outback roads, most of them are fine. They might be gravel and you know, a bit of a problem in the wet, but um, you can travel the whole of Australia just in an ordinary vehicle. 
Um, if you want to pull a van, well, that's fine. Or if you want to stay at motels, that's, that's fine. Um, but uh, it's a great thing to do. It's a vast country. Um, it's the resources we have are second to none in the world. And why the hell we have all these people unemployed uh, and we're not using our resources the way we should. Uh, following the war, Second World War, we had a huge debt problem. How did we pay it off? We provided the people with the tools of trade they needed to be productive. Those tools of trade are power, water, gas, and fuel. Guess what we've done now? We've made all those things scarce and expensive, and that's why we're struggling. And we'll continue to struggle until we get somebody in Canberra that's got enough brains uh, to release the resources of Australia to the people of Australia. The people of Australia are industrious, they're in, uh, entrepreneurial, they are very practical, um, but they've got to have, be able to put their hands on the resources they need to produce. And what have we done? We'd rather sell the resources to China and somewhere else, and Japan and Timbuktu, um, rather than let the people uh, use them here. And um, we should build that um, iron boomerang, which would take iron ore from the West and deposit it over in the coal basin of central Queensland. And the trains would take back coal and you would have a steel industry on both sides of Australia. And it would be the most productive and efficient steel industry in the world. Now, you're likely to hear someone like Morrison um, come up with that idea? No, <laughs> not likely. <Yeah. laughs> but um, yeah. one of the groups that I'm party to, uh, we're promoting that before the next election. And um, so Australia can uh, be twice as productive, three times as productive as it is, but we can't do it with so many government constraints. We've got to have the bureaucracy for a start. And that's my uh, message to the <laughs> to the people today. Yeah, 100%. Ron, I think that almost just about wraps it up. Is there anything you'd like to add or any other information my listeners and the public can find on your work and uh, where the area for where you're a member for and any other kind of information affecting what we've been talking about today? Look, I'm only too happy to communicate with anyone. Um, I'm not hard to find, <laughs> but if um, there's anyone out there who wants to um, have a more detailed discussion about any aspect about what we're talking about, I'm only too happy to do so. Just drop me an email or, or ring me up or whatever. And um, the more people that know and understand the problem and then appreciate that it is very fixable, and there is a solution, the more likely we are it is to get a solution. And um, it's obvious now that um, the only solution is going to be a political one where we remove a number of people, uh, prominent people from office and replace them with more practical people. Uh, there are some wonderful people in uh, Canberra, but because of the way that Morrison does business, they're kept in the background and in the dark. And um, we, we can change that after the next election. 
Ron Pike, I can't thank you enough for your time. I've been wanting to have this chat for a while because I've, I first at hand have seen some of these areas that have been affected and wondering what I can do myself uh, to try and help change or rectify some of these uh, situations. And I've gained a lot of knowledge out of from what we've been conversing with today. So you're a wonderful human being. I think Australia and the world needs more people like you. You've had a massive impact on Australia and your fathers before you and so on. And I can't thank you enough for your time. I've really enjoyed our conversation today. Thanks again. I thank you, Tyson. I thank you for the opportunity to put these um, thoughts and words out there before for the people. Um, I, I really appreciate that. Thanks very much. No worries. Okay, guys, that does it for episode five of A Little Bit Dusty. If you haven't already, make sure you like and subscribe to hear more Outback stories and a mix of entertainment and education where we cover all sorts of topics. Thank you very much for listening. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.